Have you ever wondered what it's like to witness a murder? Forrest grabbed the knife and then just stabbed Johnny in one motion. Or how it feels to be shot. I was immediately hit by a barrage of bullets. Or how you would react if your spouse hired someone to kill you. And he was to put me in a grave with a bullet wound on my head. These are the stories you'll hear on the podcast called What Was That Like? True stories told by the actual person who went through it. You'll hear from a stalking victim. Came back upstairs and when I came back and turned the corner into my room, I saw him standing there. You'll hear from a man who was kidnapped and tortured. I would do anything, say anything, to simply get away. And you'll hear actual 911 calls. Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Real people in unreal situations. Search for What Was That Like on any podcast app or at whatwasthatlike.com. This podcast contains adult themes and language, and some of the things that we discuss may be disturbing to some listeners. In this podcast, we discuss sexual assault, torture, race, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. Everybody and welcome to Fruit Loop Season Three, Episode Twenty Five. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and their victims that we don't hear or know much about. Contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are straight white dudes. No, what? there are many <laughs> well-documented <laughs> cases of serial killers of color, and Fruit Loops is a podcast all about them. We will take deep dives into the fascinating lives and crimes of serial killers and true crimes committed by people of color and their victims that the media and entertainment commonly leave out because the news is racist, allegedly. And we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy. I'm Beth. We're not journalists, investigators, or psychologists. Just a couple of gals interested in true crime. Also, the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that, our opinions. Please send any questions or comments to fruitloopspod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 602-935-6294, and we may feature it on a future episode. Also, our website is fruitloopspod.com, and we use Fruit Loops Pod for all of our social media. Join the discussion by using the hashtag Fruit Loops Pod Discussion or joining our Facebook group. All of the footnotes for each episode can be found on our website. Everything Beth said is true. Also, if you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash app. It's just Google Fruit Loops Pod Cash app. Or you can become a monthly patron through our Podbean patron page. We also have some merch for sale on our website. But if you can't help monetarily, no problem, man. You can always become a five-star review-er. 
you know, that means give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And be sure to share our show with your friends. So yeah. who are we talking? Yes. Who are we talking about today, Beth? Today we're talking about Pulan Devi, popularly known as Bandit Queen. She was an Indian bandit, mm-hmm. the India in Asia, and later a member of parliament. Well, before we dive into the tale of the Bandit Queen... How you doing? I'm doing great. I had a great week. I had a lot of projects that I was working on, <laughs> and I finally yes. finished most of them. So that's a big relief, and I have a big weight off of my shoulders. <laughs> Yay! You deserve it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> How you doing? Well, I'm good. I'm I'm very proud of your great week. I'm really Thanks. fucking happy for you. Thank you. Um, me? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I I am doing good. Uh, I just want to say thoughts and prayers to our listeners in Australia. Um, to anybody in Jamaica and the Caribbean who's been affected by um, the that was a big ass earthquake, and uh, also to the Kobe Bryant family. I first thought it was a joke. It was not, yeah. and it is still really unbelievable. Now, Kobe Bryant said what you want. He has a complicated history, um, you know, rape allegations in the early two thousands, um, and uh, but uh, he, um, I think. Overall, I think he uh, was ended up being a really, really great man and great, great athlete, and um, a lot of people looked up to, up to him. And he was a great dad. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the saddest part of the whole story, I think. Yeah. His daughter um, died. His daughter died, and he has three other kids, including an infant at home oh, and a wow. wife. Um, and um, you know, a whole. Th- families lost members of their family which is yeah. just devastating so yeah. to everybody who's going through it um i'm gonna i'm just i got a lot of people to add to the prayer list so um that's what i'm doing is a lot of praying this week yeah so now yeah. we're gonna get into some uh listener letters <laughs> well hello angels hello <laughs> thank you <laughs> so what's what's in the bag? What's in the box? <laughs> Brad Pitt, that Brad Pitt movie. What's in the box, Morgan Freeman? <laughs> so we we have a new patron. Her name is Reagan, and so we wanted ah. to give big hip hop air horns to you, Reagan. Thank you so much. Let's do it. Ready. <laughs> All right, thank you. And Anne on Facebook said, Ladies, I just love you too. I'm always enamored with your expression of the truth and your ability to be real with the audience. As an ELA teacher of eighth graders, though, it's hard for me to complete a lesson pertaining to your show. I teach a lot about podcasting to my students. Do you think there could ever be a chance for you two to do a non-explicit show for a younger audience? It's not so much the gore that parents might have concerns with, but the language of the show, or if there is too many sexual references. (laughs) (laughs) That's my fault. (laughs) I have a possible show idea for you. It's based in my town. You could do your show like always, but be mindful of the younger audience. I hate that we have to censor it all, but you know how public education is. And yes, we know, and uh, we've been talking about it, and uh, we're going to see what we can do. Sounds like it might be fun. But in the meantime, feast your ears and on these hip hop air horns coming your way. Yeah, thank you, Em. Yes, thank you very much. Um, Savage C J. It's probably Savage, but um, I don't want to. I don't want to knock anybody's screen name. But I said before how I learned from a Native American friend that they 
were offended by the term savage. And so I know people use it like, oh, man, I had a savage workout. Or, you know, if somebody like punches somebody else in the face, like, oh, man, that was so savage. Or like that was a savage attack. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's a it's uh, has a, a cultural positive connotation. Um, but I have heard from indigenous or first people's um, friends that that was um, that they preferred that people didn't use it in that way. And so because it used to be. Uh, like calling a Native American person the N-word. Right. Um, but Savage, CJ on Facebook, um, I she said, or he or she said, I think you all need a coffee mug with, quote, I love true crime and I don't want to die. Here's a tip for you. <laughs> <laughs> that jingle and the hip hop air horn are the best. I recently discovered the podcast after Googling, quote unquote, the best Wow. Podcast. Cool. And I'm finally on season two. Looking forward to more of your shows. Um, So uh, Hip Hop Air Horns for you, Savage CJ. Yeah, thank you. And uh, I wanted to shout out the Voyage Phoenix Magazine. They interviewed us um, and they wanted us to submit pictures and we gave them fake pictures um, and just a picture of our logo because we, we want to be anonymous. But, uh, anyway, we are we really appreciate being featured in your publication. It's out now. It came out last week. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, so, yeah. So we are excited and grateful um, that the people are listening. So now yeah. we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to dive into the story when we come back. All right. The future of the Negro in this country is precisely as bright or as dark as the future of the country. What white people have to do is try to find out in their own hearts why it was necessary to have a nigger in the first place. Welcome to Wild Black, a podcast all about the struggles of life while black. Authorities have released dash cam video revealing the chilling moments that led to a police officer shooting and killing Philando Castile. The only place racism doesn't exist is Fox News and the police department. Stop. I'm telling you to stop, and I'm not going to tell you again. And what will you do if I don't stop? I will detain you. All I'm asking is what unit. I don't need to tell you that information, man. If you want to come into my building. It's not your building. You're not the owner. Here's the thing. The most dangerous place for black people to live is in white people's imagination. White people's imagination. Plus all the dopeness in life while black. Our culture is just so vibrant. And that's why people are so drawn to us. This is who we are as a people. We're just some of the most powerful beings. My husband uh, was a math teacher for many, many years. He doesn't teach the Pythagorean theorem. He teaches the so-called Pythagorean theorem because Pythagoras went to Egypt to learn that. This race and culture of people runs the gamut from the lightest of the light to the darkest of the dark. We got all flavors. There's power in this skin. And if it wasn't so much power in this skin, they wouldn't be trying so hard to kill us. Mixes it with a little humor. In order to get McDonald's from your parents when you was a little shorty, what must you have? You got some McDonald's money? Damn, that's Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Do you Boom. got some McDonald's money? You got some McDonald's money? You got a McDonald's job? Right, exactly. Yeah. When it comes to your grits, brother, do you do salt or sugar? Sugar. That's the only way, man. I'm from Arkansas. I'm a country boy. Oh, man. We put sugar in everything. Everything. Just to remind us how powerful we are. It's something about being on a talented underdog team. The score is 450 years to zero. Do yourself and your culture a favor and go check us out on any podcast platform. Peace. Welcome to Wild Black. 
a seriously opinionated podcast bringing you the real Ooh, and we are back so beth are you all right yes ready to go <laughs> i made <Okay>. it through <laughs> <laughs> you made it through the break <laughs> so uh, who's our subject again today today we're talking about pulan devi also known as Bandit Queen. She was part of a gang of bandits in India in the 70s and 80s. They robbed trains, sacked villages, kidnapped, and yes, they murdered people. So now we're going to get into the stats. All right, so Pulan Devi, a.k.a. the Bandit Queen. A.k.a. the Indian Female Robin Hood. A.k.a. Lady Dexter. And by the way, I made those last two ones up. But she was born on August 10th, 1963. She was charged with 48 crimes, which included multiple murders, as Beth said, plunder, arson, and kidnapping for ransom. Her crimes took place from 1970 to 1983 in the country of India. And remarkably, she served in Parliament after her imprisonment as a hero to the people. And uh, tragically... She was assassinated on July 26th in 2001. So now we're going to dive into the setting. Take us there, Beth. Well, let's talk about casts. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Am I doing too much with this today? That's all right. <laughs> Pulan Devi was born in northern India. India's caste system is a social stratification system dividing Hindus into hierarchical groups based on class. The caste system divides Hindus into four main categories believed to have been originated from Brahma, the Hindu god of creation and based on religious texts. So at the top of the hierarchy are the Brahmins, who were mainly teachers and intellectuals who were believed to have come from Brahma's head. Next is the Kshatriyas, or the warriors and rulers supposedly from Brahma's arms. Third is the Vaishyas, or traders, who were created from his thighs. At the bottom are the Shudras, who came from Brahma's feet and did all the menial jobs. These main castes were further divided up into about 3,000 castes and 25,000 subcastes, each based on specific occupations. So there's a lot of division, which yeah. colonizers are very, very good at cultivating, <laughs> uh, thus decimating cultures of color, uh, and uh, they just can't seem to stop. The outcasts or untouchables, a.k.a. the Dalits, uh, which translates to broken people, are people who do what's considered unclean work, funeral cleaners, sewage cleaners, animal skinners, things like that. And they are considered outside of the caste system. Reincarnation is one of the main underlying beliefs of Hinduism, which supports the caste system. After each life, a soul is reborn into a new material form. A new soul's form is dependent on if they lived a virtuous past life. So a truly virtuous person would expect to be rewarded on rebirth to a higher caste in his or her next life. Good or bad fortune experienced in this life is considered a result of actions in the person's past life. Castes segmented societies into groups whose membership is determined by birth. Occupation was inherited and choice of profession was not a thing. There were restrictions on feeding and socializing with minute rules on the kind of food and drink that upper castes could accept from lower castes. You get the idea. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, where individual castes lived together, the dominant caste lived in the center and other castes lived in the periphery. There are also restrictions on marrying a person outside of the caste, but in some situations, marrying up is was allowed. 
In some regions, there was far less rigidity on intermarriage between different subcasts. The caste system gave privileges to the upper castes while repressing the lower castes. But despite obstacles, some Dalits and other low caste Indians, such as B.R. Ambedkar, who authored the Indian Constitution, and K.R. Narayanan, who became the nation's first Dalit president, have risen to hold prestigious positions in the country. Progress. Uh, The caste system is often criticized for being unjust and regressive, trapping people into fixed social orders from which it was nearly impossible to escape. It has been generally accepted to be more than 3,000 years old, but historians now say that until the 18th century, the formal distinctions of caste were of limited importance to Indians. Social identities were actually much more flexible and people could move easily from one caste to another. Hard boundaries were actually set by British colonial rulers, imagine that, who made Uh caste India's defining social feature when they used censuses to simplify the system to create a single society with a common law that could be easily governed. Caste didn't actually have much significance in Indian society before the British made it India's defining social feature. So colonizers made it a thing. So uh, quoting Sanjoy Chakarvati, a professor in the College of Liberal Arts at Temple University in Philadelphia, what the colonizers did through their reading of the sacred texts, quote unquote, and the institution of the census was to try to frame all of the diversity through alien categorical systems of religion, race, caste, and tribe. The census was used to simplify, and I use that word in quotes, categorize and define uh, what was barely understood by uh, colonizers using a convenient ideology and absurd and shifting methodology. So what we understand as a caste system, what we were taught about it in school, was actually devised by British colonizers. The caste system is now outlawed in India in that discrimination on the basis of caste was banned. (laughs) Sorry, I think that's good. That's good. But... The system continues to influence Indian society. Uh, For example, it was banned in 1950, and this story takes place much later than that. So it's uh, been kind of ingrained in the society. I think that is true of uh, a lot of things. uh, Black and brown um, cultures that have uh, been subject to European colonizers. Right. Um, it leads to um, this. Also, also colorism is a, is a result of this. So you'll find in brown countries in Latin America um, and even in India, the darker browner people um, are considered lesser class, and the lighter, more people with more European features, lighter skin, are um, considered higher class and right. smarter and better and more trustworthy. Um, so thanks a lot, colonization. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I was thinking about uh, uh, Rwanda and the reason why mm-hmm. uh, the genocide happened. It was because the Dutch mm-hmm. had colonized the area and they lifted one tribe over the other. They gave one tribe uh, privileges and power mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. over the other mm-hmm. tribe. And the genocide was a direct result of that because the other tribe rebelled. Yep. Yep, yep, you're absolutely right. Anyway, in other news, the world is ending, so um, we're going to continue with this podcast anyway. Uh, so now to explain decoity. 
Dakoiti, or armed robbery gangs, are also um, called banditry, was a major part of Central Indian life for centuries. The word thug in English is actually a Hindi word, uh, referring to a specific community of highway bandits that, that controlled Central India for at least 500 years before the British East India Company created a thuggy or dicoity department. And isn't the British East India Company now BP? I don't know. I, I don't quote me on that. but it, I think it's, it's You know what? That British rings a bell. Petroleum. Yeah, <laughs> that rings a bell. I think you're right. Bad taste in my mouth uh, to <laughs> eradicate them. But today the word uh, thug is used as a polite way to use the N-word, which if you know anything about the N-word... There's nothing polite about it. Yeah. The deep ravines and dense forests of the Chambal Valley have been fertile ground for Dakoiti for centuries. The ravines are considered unmappable, the twisting fissures rising as high as 250 feet and perfectly suited as dark, hidden passageways. And Bollywood became particularly enamored of the subject of Dakoiti in the 60s and 70s before its near eradication in the 80s. Eradication of Dakoiti, not, not Bollywood. Not Bollywood, <laughs> no. Bollywood. Not Bollywood. Dakoiti. So now we are going to get into the bandit queen's early life so hit it beth as always we go to many different sources to get information and in cases such as this where it's in another country and a lot of information is originally in other languages the facts sometimes differ also some people love her and some people hate her and she weighed in as well so there's a lot of opinions to go through we tried to get the facts straight but we apologize if we got something wrong Yes, please forgive us in advance. But here we go. Pulan Devi, a name which translates to flower goddess, which is a beautiful name, was born Mm -hmm. to a low caste household in 1963 in a village in the North Indian state of Uttar Pradesh called uh, Gora Kapura. They were in the Mala, or fisherman caste, although they were actually farmers. In this small village on the Yamuna River, which was really just a collection of huts, girls were treated as an unfortunate burden. Boys bring in money to the household, whereas girls are considered a debt, because in order to get them married off, the family needs to come up with a dowry, which can be very difficult when you're poor. Mm. Now, Pulan's mother was an angry woman, unhappy with her lot in life, but did not feel she could do anything about it. Her father was subservient to the upper castes, and Pulan has described him as a simpleton. Pulan, on the other hand, was cunning and full of fire. She was spicy. She was considered mouthy and spirited, and maybe a little too spirited for a girl. When she was 10, she found out that an uncle and cousin stole her father's land by falsifying village land records. Mm. Uh, Not really being able to do anything about it, she began a psychological war, publicly taunting and humiliating them in front of their upper caste friends. In retribution, the country, or the cousin, the country, the country did (laughs) fuck her, but the the cousin... (laughs) (laughs) The cousin beat her with a brick until she lost consciousness. A year later, the same uncle pushed to have Pulan be married off to get her out of his hair. She was married to a widower at least three times her age in a distant village in exchange for a cow and a bicycle. The arrangement Mm. was that her husband would wait until she was older to consummate the marriage, but he didn't want to wait. 
Um, okay, well, uh, here is where the facts differ. But according to Poulan, her husband beat her and raped her and continued to abuse her for months. So she ran away from him and went home to her family. Her family was not happy to have her back. A girl leaving her husband brought disgrace on the family, and she was just 12 years old. Yeah. So that's... That's um, fucked up. That's fucked up, yeah. Yeah. Her mother described her as being, quote-unquote, filled up, an Indian expression for a girl who has had sex. I told her to drop dead, said her mother. I told her to jump into a well or drown herself in the Yamana. Well, um, that's not um, that's cool. not something I would say, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, everybody's different, and I can certainly, um, I guess... Uh, digest, not ex- maybe not accept, but digest the fact that this was a different time. This is a different um, culture, and the chastity of uh, a young girl is for a poor family might be all they've got, right? Yeah. So, um, so I guess that's those are where those um, not nice comments are coming from. But at the age of twelve, Poulan Devi was considered ruined. Uh, the villagers shunned her. They also accused her of bathing naked in the river and other disreputable behavior. Uh, she developed a reputation for promiscuity. I read that men would come looking for her to have sex because they were told that they could do anything with her. In one account, an old man came to her house asking for her. Poulan answered the door or, or greeted him and said, oh, yes, I'll go get her. She went away and got a stick, then came back and said, you found Poulan and beat him with the stick. <laughs> that is that's 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 a superhero movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so on uh, January 6, 1979, she was accused of stealing from the home of the same uncle who repeatedly wronged her, and she was arrested. She was raped and beaten in prison for three days. Meanwhile, the cousin who had beaten her up years before burned her father's crops. Released from prison two weeks later, she attacked the cousin with a rock. And then her uncle was just fed up with her, and he orchestrated a kidnapping by a gang of bandits. Poulan's sister, uh, younger sister Chodi Devi, which means little goddess, recalls, My sister jumped from the roof to run away, but the bandits caught Shiv, my brother. Then she returned and said, Leave my brother. I will come with you. Um, this is a takeaway that I'm just getting from reading, the, uh, not reading, but going through this first half of the, of the script. Uh-huh. And I just think of, uh, you, are you a fan of the Beyonce Lemonade uh, album? Uh, I I haven't listened to it. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So, so men wronged her in her life and Beyonce was pissed. And she was like, who the fuck do you think I is? And not, <laughs> not is, yeah. Who do you think I that's that's when a southern woman is very angry that she's so angry she leaves off the letter S in her, her vernacular. And that is that is what I, I I pictured when like researching the story like her just like <laughs> lemonating the shit out of her life. Like life gave her lemons and she here comes some lemonade, lemonade bitches. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Now we're going to get into the timeline. So 
Uh, Poulan suffered repeated rape by gang leader Babu Gujar and most likely by the rest of the gang as well, unfortunately. One night, gang member Vikram Mala, part of the same low Mala cast of Poulan, shot Babu Gujar in the head and became the head of the gang. Very ironic. Vikram then... Then uh, ironic, <laughs> don't you think? It's like rain on a wedding day. <laughs> Sorry. Are you done? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I could keep going. No, that's okay. It's like, okay. Vikram then announced that Pulan was his mistress, and he forbid anyone else from touching her. In private, he told Pulan that he would not touch her unless she wanted him to. Pulan was then part of the gang and the only woman in its ranks. Now that is a consent conversation. Now yeah. that I that is as simple as that. Yeah, I'm not going to touch you unless you want me to. Yep. And end of story. Um. So anyway, Pulan. Uh, and Vikram did become lovers. Vikram Mala is, by all accounts, Pulan Devi's great love. Pulan has been quoted as saying, he was the first man to treat me like a human being and not as a slave or a piece of flesh. Shout out to uh, Vikram. Yeah, yeah. The bandits looted villages and assaulted upper caste people. They blew up trains, ransacked upper caste homes, and carried out a series of kidnappings and murders. For the first time in her life, Devi was happy. <laughs> you know, if the shoe fits, I guess, if the happy shoe fits, you got to wear it. If the murder shoe fits. Um, yeah, if the murder shoe fits. Um, but you can, I mean, you can understand. And uh, yeah, we didn't I get totally into understand. All, like, the, she was also raped before she married that guy, that yeah. old, older man oh, who beat the shit out of her. Really? Like, she, yeah, she, um, according to the sources that I reference, but I mean, there was just so much rape. Yeah, there was a lot of rape. Yeah. Uh, that um, you can understand. I can understand. Man, yeah. And, yeah. I just thought it was a yeah. funny, funny sentence. <laughs> Agree. Right there. Um, uh, yes. Amen. Uh, so on one occasion, there was an upper caste man who was known for raping poor village girls. The gang went to his house, dragged him out and stripped him naked. On loudspeakers, Devi called the women out, especially the lower caste women, and asked them, is this a good man? Is this your king? Is you, you not seen uh, Black Panther? Yes, I have. And, uh, okay. Is this your king? Is this a good man? You know what I mean? Yes. I, that's how I pictured it. <laughs> it was probably very similar to that, yeah. And I think uh, so, yeah. of course, they said no. So Devi announced punishment and cut off his penis. Whew. Yeah. Lord. His penis was Whew. then threaded into a necklace and put around his neck. That's, oh, that's pretty... I thought it was put around her neck. Nope, his, sure? his neck. His neck. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like uh, Game of Whew. Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. They also attacked Devi's husband. They dragged him into the street, stabbed him, and left him to die. He actually did survive, but he was left with a huge scar on his torso. I want to take a moment to tell you about my podcast, Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage. In 1984, a woman named Phyllis Cottle was abducted in broad daylight, tortured, and left to die in a burning car in Akron, Ohio. At the time, I was a rookie reporter covering this horrific story. Since then, I've reported every kind of crime imaginable. I've been able to leave most of them at work, 
but not this one. The one that buried itself under my skin and stayed put. Phyllis Cottle was a badass woman, and I want to tell you her story. A production of Evergreen Podcasts and signature title of the Killer Podcast Network, you can find Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage wherever you get your podcasts. Discover more great true crime and paranormal programming at KillerPodcast.com. So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's how a scam begins, convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist. The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run. You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money, or steal your house. I get a phone call from my wife, and she let me know that they had decided to move all our stuff out. I can no longer do anything about it except go through an eviction. And you'll hear it from the experts people who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6,000 cash, give us each 3,000, we give you this. Uh You go home and what you find out is cut up newspaper. It's fun to know how the trick is done, and that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found. I'm an American vigilante. I have a question for you. What would you do if someone you cared about was abducted, taken from you? Would you call me? Would you care about how I got them back? Download American Vigilante now. That is epic. Yeah. Epic. I mean, whew. Uh, So Vikram and Pulam became something of a Bonnie and Clyde type of figures. The upper caste was embarrassed and infuriated. While uppers regarded Pulam as a callous murderer for countless untouchables, she was a hero. She was known for giving away some of her loot to Dalits. On one occasion, when she came across a girl who was about her age when she was married off, Devi showered her with gifts. To them, Pulan Devi was an incarnation of the goddess Durga, a Hindu goddess of war, a fierce protective mother goddess who unleashes her divine wrath against the wicked for the liberation of the oppressed, who use destruction to empower creation. Uh, very poetic. Yeah. Uh, a, a pair of brothers, Lal Ram and Sri Lam, joined the gang, but they were not happy with the situation. They were uh, Takurs and a higher caste than Vikrams, and they were outraged at having to take orders from a lower caste man. On August 13, 1980, when Pulan was 17, the Ram brothers murdered Vikram while he was sleeping. Pulan was then kidnapped and handed over to gangs of Takurs who locked her away in a Takur village called Bemai. There, over the course of three weeks, a succession of upper caste Takur men raped and humiliated her over a period of several days. In a final indignity, they paraded her naked body around the village. Well, she was alive, but, you know, she was naked like that scene in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Game of Thrones. Shame. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Just like that. Shame. Yeah. (laughs) 
One night, with the help of some of the men from her old gang, Poulan managed to escape. Poulan felt that she could never live a normal life after all that she had been through, and Dakoiti was the only choice left to her. They created a new gang with members only of the Mala cast, including a man named Man Singh. Poulan and Man Singh soon became lovers and joint leaders of the gang. Over the next few years, she led train robberies, kidnappings, and raids of villages. The commonly accepted story, which Devi contests, is that on February 14, 1981, Poulan led her gang to Ben Mai, where she had been held, tortured, and raped after Vikram's murder. This time, she was dressed in a khaki coat, blue jeans, and wearing bright lipstick. A Sten gun hung from her shoulder, and in her hand, she carried a battery-powered megaphone. So this is actually my favorite part of the story. Usually yeah. it's the stats, but when I, I hear a fire-ass quote, um, I am shooketh from within. My, my spirit is in line with this quote, and I just love it. So Devi called all the villagers out and asked them to hand over the Ram brothers. And she said, if you don't hand them over to me, I will stick my gun into your butts and tear them apart. <laughs> this is Pulan Dev speaking. Jai Durga Mata, which means victory to Durga, the mother goddess. Woo! Fall on your knees. Uh, So she that's what she allegedly said but i like to believe it it's yeah. the greatest quote i've ever heard and i declare that uh she is the one of the baddest bitches in history yeah i'm done <laughs> i have I'm to agree <laughs> <laughs> the two men the ram brothers could not be found Devi then rounded up all of the young men in the village and stood them in a line before the well they were then marched in single file to the river at a green embankment they were ordered to kneel there was a burst of gunfire and 22 men lay dead. That's a lot of bodies. Yeah. Then uh, she became the most wanted person in India with a $10,000 price on her head. And to this day, villagers in Bamai are skeptical of anyone entering the town with a camera, certain that he or she will be sympathetic to Poulan Devi, whom they still view as a cold-blooded murderer. And yeah. I see their point. Fair enough. So Yeah, fair enough. So now we're going to get into the arrest and the trial. What do you got, Beth? Two years passed. Poulan Devi had a price on her head, a score of murders, and more than 30 cases of kidnapping and dacoity to her name. But to the people in the lower caste, she was known as the beautiful bandit, the goddess of flowers, and the bandit queen. They wrote songs about her. She was only 19 years old. Wow, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> Not killing and stuff. Nobody's, nobody's writing any songs about me. <laughs> so, <laughs> over, over a period of nearly a year, the police superintendent of the district of Bend negotiated her surrender. She demanded, she had a long list of demands, including that her gang members get no more than eight-year sentences, that her family members who had been jailed because of, uh, because of her be released, that her father's land be returned to him, that her sibling be provided with a government job, and that her own cases be tried only in special courts in Madhya Pradesh to protect her from retribution from the Takurs, the caste that ran Uttar Pradesh. In 1983, Pulan Devi, draped in a brown wool blanket and topped by a red shawl, led a group of 12 men through the ravines of the Chambal River Valley in the Indian state of Madhya Pradesh. 
A .315 Mauser hung from her shoulder. A long curved dagger was tucked in her belt and a bandolier covered her chest. Nearly 300 policemen waited on the other end of the ravine. The symbolism of all of this is just magnificent. It is. Um, The following morning with her family and the members of her gang, including Man Singh, gathered about her before a crowd of about 8,000 people. Poulain climbed the wooden steps of a 23-foot high dice uh, shaded by an awning of red, green, and yellow cloth. Beautiful colors. I can only imagine the scenery. And uh, Hindi film music blasted over a PA system. She was dressed in a new khaki uniform and a bright red shawl, and she wore a red bandana on her head. Most were surprised to discover that India's most infamous female criminal was a tiny figure less than five feet tall. Small in stature, but great. In spirit. strength and spirit. After bowing before portraits of Gandhi and Durga, their presence had been a condition of her surrender. She knelt, or the the photos of their presence. Yeah, not. (laughs) They weren't actually there. Um, She she knelt in homage and touched the feet of the chief minister of Madhya Pradesh, Arjun Singh. Then she turned toward the crowd, raising her rifle above her head. Finally, with hands folded in the traditional gesture of greeting, she demurely lowered her eyes to the ground, and the crowd roared. Poulain, as they would. I, yeah, as they should. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poulain was accused of 48 criminal offenses, including murder, plunder, and arson, as well as kidnapping for ransom. She is one of only three female dacoit leaders in Indian history. Poulain spent 11 years in jail awaiting a trial that never came. During the time that she was jailed, her female Robin Hood legend just grew. She was befriended by the writer Mala Sen, who wrote a book about her life called The Bandit Queen. Finally, in 1994, a low-caste chief minister of the state of Uttar Pradesh pardoned Devi of all the charges filed against her. The chief minister, like Pulan, was from one of India's lowest castes, and her release was a vindication for them against the upper caste, and she was finally released in 1994. All right, so now we're going to get into where are they now? I'll tell you. Poulan never expressed regret for her actions. And in 1994, after she was paroled, she reinvented her life. She converted to Buddhism, uh, married a man by the name of Umed Singh, and they move it Bandit Queen very loosely, 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 loosely. <laughs> based on the book by Mala Sen came out making her internationally famous. But Debbie sought to have the movie banned. It's simply not the story of my life, so how can they claim it is? She told Marianne Weaver of Atlantic Monthly Magazine. In the film, I'm portrayed as a sniveling woman, always in tears, who never took a conscious decision in her life. I'm simply shown as being raped over and over again. Rape, she added, was a fact of life for lower caste women across the subcontinent who are regarded by the rich as their property. Well, she's not wrong. No. But um, I also was thinking, man, what if she had been interviewed by like a Diane Sawyer or a Barbara Walters yeah. or an Oprah? Like this story would have maybe it got would have gotten more coverage and, you know, or more, better, more better coverage. Better coverage. Yeah. 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 Um, because uh, I've never heard of this lady, and I wish I had. Yeah. Ooh, in the 90s, I was really going through it. Uh, so in 1995, uh, Poulan, was, uh, Poulan was invited to participate in a conference about, about alcohol prohibition and pornography. 
wait, why would she want to prohibit those? Uh, this began her poli- <laughs> political pr- career. She uh, formed a new political party for the lower castes and stood for election. She won serving as the MP during the 1996 to 1998 term, vowing to work for the upliftment of women, the downtrodden, and the poor. She lost her seat in the 1998 election, but was reelected in the 1999 election and was a sitting member of parliament for the Mirzapur district where her hometown is located. She led a life of relative obscurity and calm during this time. On July 26th at about 1.30 p.m., Pulan Devi was shot dead by three masked gunmen outside of her Delhi bungalow. She was hit nine times in the head, chest, shoulder and right arm. Uh, Her personal security guard was also shot in his right chest and right arm, uh, but he returned gunfire uh, as the gunman fled the scene in a car. They later abandoned the car and boarded an auto rickshaw. And uh, I didn't know what that was, so I Googled it. And it's like this little contraption. It's like a three-wheeled mini car. So, uh, you know... A tricycle? No, it's it's like a rickshaw. You know what a rickshaw is. Nope. No? Okay. So they used to uh, carry people around in rickshaws that were drawn by people. So there would be a seat with wheels, and they oh, would sit in that. Oh, and then carriage pulled by a person. By a person, yeah. So now they have oh, okay. auto rickshaws. So there's like a seat in the back for people to sit, and then a guy drives it. It's almost like a motorcycle with a seat in the back, and there's three wheels. And and it's covered, so uh, so I guess if it rains, you don't get rained on. But yeah, they're wow. cute, cute little things. But they're I I think they're all over in India, in the big cities, all over the this place. This has been auto talk with. <laughs> Thank you. What's that? What is that show with the brothers? I hate that show. Oh, the, the, is it the car show? The on car NPR? guys. The car, yeah. The what, car guys. Yeah. It, it, I don't remember what the show is, but I hate that show. <laughs> it's just they've their, got a huge audience. I know. It's not. It's not the show so much as I. I just hate their accents. They have like New York accents, and it drives me nuts. <laughs> I hate my I, brother. Oh, I hate my brother. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love, oh, my God. Yeah. Making a weird sound. Yeah. Oh, hey. It drives hey, me my nuts. My brother can't drive. Oh, my brother's a bad driver. Oh, but he can fix cars. Oh. It's Something just, like that. Yeah, it's just an accent I'm, that drives me nuts. I apologize to any New Yorkers who I offend, but yeah, that accent drives me nuts. Well, their voices are so ingrained in the zeitgeist. They were in the cars movie yes they were you know yep. the cars movie with the kids yep they <laughs> I, were i bet he doesn't drive like my brother <laughs> anyway yeah sorry. so anyway uh they they drove away in the car and then they abandoned the car and boarded an auto rickshaw which seems like a weird move but whatever the police <laughs> recovered a pistol an improvised firearm and a revolver from the scene along with nine empty and 15 live rounds from the car Debbie was taken to a nearby hospital, but she was dead. She was 37 years old. Mm, that that is, you know, now that I'm now that I'm in my mid 30s, that is it's a really really young really young time to die. Yeah. Uh, the the prime su- suspect, uh, Sher Singh Rana, later surrendered to the police. He allegedly claimed to have murdered Debbie in revenge for the upper caste men she gunned down in the Bemi massacre. He was sentenced to life in prison. Not everyone believes that 
he is guilty. There are a lot of stories out there about who is believed to have killed her. And that is a rabbit hole that includes a plot to kill her by her own husband yeah. at the time. Yeah. So. so that's not something we'll get into. But if you want to uh, get into that rabbit hole, go ahead. <laughs> There's a, it's, it's a lot it's of stories. It's a long one, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Ranajana Kumari, director of the Center for Social Research in Delhi, says that more than 40% of marriages in the state, states of Rajasthan, Uttar Pradesh, where Pulan grew up, and Madhya Pradesh, where she lived as a dacoit, are of girls 18 and under. Boy, that was hard to get through. That's all right. You did it. You did it. And, and uh, I, I, I wanted to to mention. I don't. I didn't see it in the doc when I looked at it yesterday. And I know you made changes today, but arranged marriages are still a thing that goes on. And oh and, yeah, um, it's not. It's not unacceptable. It's not inappropriate unless the person who's being forced into it is, is a child. Is, is not. Yeah. Is not happy with it or is a child. Yeah. Um, I I have friends who have been in arranged marriages. Um, and um I remember having conversations with them, like what me out here looking for love, and they already got it coming, like, man, this fucking sucks. This courtship thing, man, you don't even have to do it. Like, so yeah. I, I there's lots of different perspectives on it and I think before you judge the whole arranged marriage thing, you should maybe talk to somebody who's involved in it or yeah. read blogs or read articles or whatever. It's not it's not all bad. It's not yeah. it's not something we do typically here in the West, but it's it's totally acceptable and, and can be totally legit and and result in really happy families so in yeah. relationships. Yeah. yeah but and, not, uh, in, not in Debbie's case. Yeah, no. And uh when it involves children, it's not not good. No. No, not good. Not good. Dr. Kumari says that women are, quote unquote, the poorest of the poor. And uh, she also said that they eat the last and they eat the least. They wake up first and go to sleep last. They work 18 to 20 hours a day while suffering malnutrition. Domestic violence remains the norm in India, including marital rape. And this is the life that Poolan Devi escaped. Yeah. In India, rape is still often is not blamed on the victim and still makes that woman ineligible or at least undesirable for marriage and childbirth, says Pranimi Tripathi, a deputy editor with the Indian magazine Frontline. That is just a shame. Um, And it's not different here in in the United States either. Yeah. Victim blaming is... Just something men are very good at. Yeah. Uh, Our attitude is such that 90% of women who are raped have asked for it. And that the judicial process in India is so humiliating. It's like being raped again and again, Tripathi says. This is what makes Pulan different. Having gone through all that she still had the courage to come out and start again. Kick ass while she did it. Yeah, no kidding. A documentary called Pulan is currently in production. They have a Kickstarter campaign to raise money to finish it, which they say is about 80% done. And we'll link to that in our show notes so you can contribute to it if you want to. And uh, I'm going to because I'm really excited to see that. Yes. Yeah. Same. Same, same. So um, now we're going to get into what we think made her snap and also our takeaways. So hit it, Beth. 
So she was a victim of circumstance. Uh, Poulan herself has said that her experiences were not actually that unique, that many lower caste women have suffered similar fates. But what made her unique is that she stood up for herself and sought vengeance. She didn't jump into a river and kill herself like her mother told her to do, and many other women might have done. She had a very strong spirit, and uh, as I read her story, I was rooting for her. Some of the things that she did were pretty awful, but uh, I can't say that I blame her. She was really young and full of rage. And uh, later she reinvented herself and did things to help people, especially women. Yeah, I think I I, this story is was so fun to research um, because uh, she really is like a superhero. You know, they all have um, the the sad story, like somebody dies or somebody gets raped or um, somebody loses everything. And then out of all of that, uh, from the ashes, they become amazing. Yeah, (laughs) like super amazing person. And, you know, in the in the beginning, she truly was a victim. She like nobody should ever do any of the things that happened to her to a a little girl, any child, any any anybody, really. Um, But she turned it around and in, you know, she might have come. Made some crimes at first, yeah. but she got her power back. Yeah, and um, you know, when she was an elected official, her work was focused on helping poor people and women and girls those are the, and girls like the, she was. Yeah, girls like she was, and I think that that is glorious yeah. and admirable. Yeah, I think so um, too. Uh, an interesting statistic is that most of the um, homeless people, the people who go hungry at night, in the world are women and children. Yeah, so not, all poor, not surprised, all, all women. All kids. Mm -hmm. And I just think what she tried to do to fix that was um, fantastic. Yeah. And I've said before, uh, people, again, don't don't commit crimes because they are so fun, even though uh, uh, Debbie did say that she was. Sounds like she did have a little fun. Yeah, she did have some fun. (laughs) Um, But but usually it's a means to survive. So people don't have to live in poverty. Then they don't have they don't have to. They don't have to steal products to sell things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or. um mask um their devastation and depression with substances and and fuel those things so and i think um, absolutely if all of these things didn't happen to her she would not have become a decoit but do you think she would have joined parliament i think she would have done something really uh really great yeah she would yeah she she had to she She had had that spirit yeah 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 okay i i i I'm with you there. I'm, with, you know what? And I'm looking at my crystal ball. It turns out we're right. So, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> and Wendy, you're magical Negro. <laughs> you know how black people movies are always like yes, the, the magical. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but anyway, Poulan wouldn't. She just didn't let all those things break her, and mm-hmm. and I just think that it's remarkable. Uh, now we're we're gonna get into how not to get murdered. <clears throat> so, if you love true crime and you don't want to die, here's a tip for you. 
<laughs> this segment is not intended to be victim blaming. We thought of this segment because I read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer. This is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's experiences. Sometimes we have no suggestions for a particular episode and we'll just offer up generic tips. So my first tip is, have you accepted the Lord as your uh, savior? Because the world is ending. Lurry the signs. But uh, this tip is basically how not to murder yourself. Like how not to, so to speak, basically how not to kill yourself by um, just experiencing the world as it is. Because everything is fucked up right now. Um, And I am feeling fatigued, exhausted by everything that's going on in the world. I know I'm not the only one. Beth and I talk about, Beth is over here trying to be like positive. It's going to be okay. (laughs) Climate change. Always always trying to put a positive spin on thinking, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going to (laughs) happen. World War Three, Kobe Bryant. Yeah, sure. We're going to be fine. But we're going to be fine. We're going to be, if we are going to be fine and we still have to endure, we should practice these things. And I just, have perused social media and noticed everybody is feeling this way and everybody is trying to um, post um, tips and things to stay positive and stay in the game and stay focused and stay present and keep fighting. But uh, again, the world is on fire. Uh, <laughs> so here, here, here are my tips to keep you prayed up and stayed in the fight. Uh, the most important thing that we have in, in this part of the world is to vote and make sure everybody you know votes. Talk to people about it. Um, t- just you don't have to talk about the issues. Just be like, hey, bruh, auntie, uncle, you registered to vote? Hey, cousin, you registered to vote? Hey, you want me to show you how you can do that? I could just send you a link to this website. Here's how you do it. Um, Just make sure that they know how to get the information into their hands so that they have access to a ballot come the big day. Um, There's some organizations that if you are like, oh, I don't even know what I can do. I I don't have time to go out and be canvassing and shit. Um, There are a lot of organizations that you could just donate a dollar to, like Stacey Abrams Fair organization uh andrew gillum the guy whose uh, election was stolen in uh florida um but uh just google their names and um google ways to help and you will find it all of these um, organizations especially on the democratic side are hiring volunteers they are on the right so if that's the way you lean i mean fight for whatever you believe in fight for the issues don't fight for the people that you like fight for the issues that matter to you um, everybody's accepting donations and the people who are legit are are accepting donations from regular people, not just thousand dollar donations. Um, I'll show, um, check out Ballotopedia. It's like Wikipedia, but for voting. So, you know, you can like plug in your address and it'll tell you what elections are coming up in your neighborhood, cool. in your areas, uh, local ones, even even like city council or school board, all those things. So I check that pretty regularly. So I know like what's coming up, what I got to look out for. And then it also breaks down all of the issues and the candidates for you in a, in a pretty easy a Wikipedia style way that you can understand it. Um, I. I missed the Women's March because I thought it was in March. Death invited me. And I was thinking I had all this time. <laughs> and it wasn't. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, next time you open you open up your social media and there's a link to donate something and you can, you should do it. Um, also, um, if you can take a break and unplug from the media, 
either log out or delete an app from your phone or something, do it if you can. Um, I often feel like I can't because I have little ones. I'm a woman of color and everybody's out to get us. Uh, but, uh, but if you, if you can, um, do it, um, even a little break is a good one. Yeah. I rec, I recommend try a new podcast or a new genre of music. Um, there's a podcast that I really enjoy when I need therapy and my therapist is her schedule is booked. Um, it is called Therapy for Black Girls, and um, it's a black therapist who talks about issues that affect black women. And it is um, just really, uh, it's a good way to relax. Um, but also music is is also a good way to relax. Something cool. fun. Yeah. Um, whatever. Uh, so anyway, uh, there's lots to do, but if you can't do anything, take a break. Yeah. We are gathered here today to give you permission to plan the wedding that you want. I'm Jessica Bishop. And I'm Sari Wienerman. And we're the hosts of the Bouquet Toss podcast. Today's couples have to juggle so many things from family expectations to outdated traditions and what's currently trending. So to make it easier, we're going deep to figure out why we do weddings the way that we do. So you can decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. You are cordially invited to subscribe to The Bouquet Toss wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. By the power vested in us, we pronounce you free to plan your day your way. My name is Bill Huffman, and I am a former Cleveland News producer, and I am now the host of the podcast, Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Maholovic, and now each week I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an Evergreen Podcasts, Killer Podcasts, and Slow Burn Media production. Subscribe today wherever you get your favorite shows. Those are great tips. And uh, yeah, sometimes I have to take a a break from the news for a couple of days. And you know what? It's going to be there when you come back, so don't worry about it. Um, and also I wanted to mention, uh, when you were talking about voting, they do a purge of the voter rolls every year. So you want to check before the election. If you're registered, I would suggest checking now, uh, just to make sure you're registered. And we'll put a link in our show notes about how you can do that, but you can go to vote.org, usa.gov, rockthevote.org and headcount.org to check to see if you're still registered to vote. You can always call your secretary of state or go to their website and you can, well, at least in Arizona, you can check if you're registered and you've got the right ballots coming to your right, correct address. But I've also called um, our, our secretary of state or uh, the county recorder called their office to see, hey, am I good? Is this coming to me? Because it didn't come to me last time. And who do I need to talk to? And can I speak to a manager? I need to know. (laughs) So, So, yeah, yeah, and if you 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 are a young young person, check to make sure you're registered to vote. And then uh, definitely vote. Get out there and vote. Because the young people tend not to vote. And I think they really have something to contribute. So, get out there and vote. They got a lot of skin in the game. Yeah, they do. 
<laughs> my nightmare is my kids <laughs> like me up in heaven and them on their knees in like a pile of ash looking up at me like oh what, what, what were you what doing, were you doing? Mom? yeah what? <laughs> they're yeah. like in the book of eli yeah this is seeds. this is your future kids so uh <laughs> definitely get out there and vote because it's really important Okay, well, um, now we're going to get into some serial killer true crime news. So Alicia posted a story in our Facebook discussion group about Jason Robert Pope. This is a story I had no idea about. The story also proves my theory that the most evil white men go by three names. He, uh, Jason Robert Pope was charged with three counts of first degree criminal sexual conduct, second degree sexual conduct with a minor, promoting prostitution of a minor, and kidnapping in August 2019 in South Carolina. He was 42 years old and known as DJ Kid. Mm. Just kidding. He mm. was an actual DJ, though. <laughs> he, he recruited underage girls and had sex with them from September 17 to July, July 2019 in exchange for money and gifts. He held some victims against their will and forced them to perform mm. sex acts. Here's the kicker. He had nearly 700 victims. Holy shit. And they were all black women and girls, oh some as young God. as 13. It's been reported that his criminal record goes all the way back to the mid-90s, and he was reported to the authorities multiple, wow. multiple times. Also, he has AIDS oh. and apparently has Holy been knowingly shit. infecting and exposing his victims, which is also a crime. What a On piece top of, of all this, shit. Oh, yeah. He is garbage McGarbagesons. He's the mayor of Garbage Town. On fire. On top of... Yes, on fire. Uh, Wreck-It Ralph can't put this one out. Mm -mm. On top of all of this, he would brag about his body count on Facebook. Uh, Even more disgusting. Uh, Essence, a priceless black publication, which every black girl is thankful for, reported that 40% of victims of human trafficking are African-Americans and 52% of those trafficked um, of the juvenile uh, sex worker arrests are African-American and they were in trafficking when they were children. So wow. uh, it's uh, That's a not sad looking statistics. good out there. Yeah. It's a very sad statistic. But when we know about these things, we can do something, do something about, about it. So, yeah. So now let's get into the shout out portion of our show. Uh, Hip Hop Evolution on Netflix. And I put out a tweet uh, this week looking for some true crime podcast recommendations about indigenous people or indigenous um, brothers and sisters of any content or anything. And um, Fruit Loose Pod Squad delivered. Um, Finding Cleo um, by Shine on Twitter shared an article about missing indigenous kids around the world, including First Peoples of Australia. Finding Cleo is a podcast that I do plan on getting into about um, a missing young indigenous boy named Cleo. And lastly, I found on Netflix a movie directed by a native woman with a native cast telling a beautiful story about native Canadian women called The Body Remembers When the World Broke Open. So oh, wow. check those out. Yeah, thank you. Um, and uh, so where can the people find us, Beth? Our website is fruitloopspod.com. Our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod, and our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Facebook. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod, and links to our sources will be in our footnotes. If you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash App. Just Google Fruit Loops Pod Cash App, or you can become a monthly patron through our Podbean patron page. This will help us pay for things like our website and pod hosting. There's no minimum and no commitment. Even a dollar would help. We also have merch on our website now at fruitloopspod.com forward slash merch. Woo! Correct. Whew. This is a weekly podcast and new episodes drop every Thursday. So until next time, look alive, guys. 
It's crazy out there. I'm Sean McCabe. And I'm Carrie McCabe. We are, well, married, obviously, (laughs) but we're also obsessed with the darker side of things. True crime stories, alien abductions, poltergeists. If it leaves you scratching your head and keeping those lights on at night, we want to hear about it. That's why we host the podcast Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Every week, we bring our listeners a true story guaranteed to send chills down your spine, from history's most brutal serial killers to the mystery of spontaneous human combustion. Yep, lots of these stories leave unanswered questions behind, and you'll get to poke through the rubble of the evidence with a hardened skeptic and... Someone whose mind is more open to fun. Yeah, that's what I was going to (laughs) say. You can find Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie wherever you get your podcasts, and on social media at Ain't It Scary. Come play with us. The truth about the Haditha massacre has been covered up, but not anymore. I know you know what happened. They went into houses and killed women and children. What are you thinking? What a mess. U.S. Marines murdered innocent civilians in cold blood. And at the center of it all is 25-year-old Sergeant Frank Wooderick. And me. Murder in House 2, a new podcast from Crowd Network. 